0: This is Two Guys, Five Movies This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasperi
1: This is Frank Pelican
0: You are listening to The Quick Cage And one of the last nine episodes of The Quick Cage uh, Quickly coming to an end, Frank November 2nd, 2021 um, um, is, is where, <laughs> where This is uh, where this journey will end For the time being, I guess Until he releases a new movie um, Alright, let's do the thing what movie is it?
1: Uh so tonight we're gonna talk about the two thousand um romantic drama ish, comedy ish, mostly drama. Um The Family Man. Hmm. Um directed by Brett Ratner of all people. Um co starring uh Tay Leone, Jeremy Piven, um some other people. One guy who is in like everything, I can't remember his name. Saw Saul. Because, like, Saul,
0: oh. Saul Rubinick.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a movie that I would never have expected to like, um, but I liked it when it first came out. Although I think a lot of that was, um, born by, uh, sentimentality, um, towards maybe the impending birth of my son. Um, but also just cause I'm kind of a sucker for like a, a good romantic drama. Um, but then watching it again recently for the podcast, like I found that I still kind of enjoyed it. Um... It's basically a, like a riff on a Christmas carol. Uh, so Cage plays Jack, who is a high powered exec. Oh, okay. So the film opens in 1987 where Cage and Ta Leone are unconvincingly playing college students. Um,
0: <laughs> what kind of wig they put on
1: it? No, none. None. He, oh. hasn't, he, hasn't, he hasn't started to lose his hair at this point. Oh, okay. Um. The way they have it combed, like it's kind of a receding hairline, but it's still like, you know, full head of hair. Um, not that he doesn't have a full head of hair now, he just has a crazy widow's peak thing going on. Yeah. Anyway, so they're at the airport. Jack is about to go to London um for a year for an internship that will land him at this high powered brokerage firm. He's um I guess like he's done a an internship at EF Hutton, but this is like something that'll like propel his career, like, to new heights. Um, Leonie is um, about to graduate from law school. She tries to convince him to stay. She says something like, when you leave, I know it will be the end. And He's like, I won't forget about you in a year. So then <clears throat> flash forward 13 years, to 2000, um, where Cage is waking up next to a sultry blonde in a giant penthouse in New York City. <clears throat> he's a high-powered exec at... Um, some large like acquisitions firm um, that's about to <clears throat> land a multi billion dollar deal to merge these two companies together. Um, basically, he is a workaholic. He has no real attachments. Um, it's revealed that um, he never came back after the year, and they kind of lost touch, and they never ended up together. Um, so, on his way home on Christmas Eve. He stops at a convenience store to buy some eggnog for himself. And um, Don Cheadle is there mm-hmm. um, trying to cash in a lottery ticket um, that the, um, what's his name? Kenley Young um, is playing this uh, deli clerk or whatever. Um, refuses to give him the money, so he pulls a gun. So Nick Cage or Jack talks him out of, like, using the gun, and is like, hey, I'll buy the lottery ticket off you. It's a business transaction. Um, so as they leave, um, Jack tries to, like, kind of talk some, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of talk. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so then the guy is like, oh, you know, um, you're really, whatever, you're really going to get it, or, like, you're going to get what you deserve, or something like that on know. So anyway, so he goes to bed and wakes up the next morning in a house with a Leone and two kids and a dog. Um, So he's basically been magically transported into the life he would have had, had he have never gotten on the plane. Um, So reticent at first to like adapt to the life because he's so confused. um, Goes back and finds that no one recognizes him in his apartment or his firm. Um, He eventually comes to sort of embrace the life with her. and falls back in love with her again, and falls in love with his kids. And <clears throat> some time passes, um, and when he's fully acclimated to the life, um, he sees Don Cheadle again uh, working in a convenience store, and mm-hmm. realizes that like his time is up because Cheadle says it's a glimpse that he's going to get of like this other life. Um, so then tries to stay awake as long as possible, spend time with his family, but ends up falling asleep. Waking up back in his penthouse, um, on Christmas Eve, he had received a note that um, Kate, that's the Tay character, had called him and he missed the call. So he goes and finds her. Um, she's a high-powered lawyer now, and she's going to move there to take over their firm in Paris, her law firms, like Paris Division. Um, so he convinces her at the airport. Um, that they have this like other life that neither of them got because, you know, they missed their chance um, and they end up having coffee together. And that's how it ends with like a pan out of or a zoom out of them talking over coffee. Like maybe there's a chance that they can, <clears throat> you know, at this point in their lives, like start this life and actually have happiness. Um, so typically this movie would be like Trapped in Paradise is a good example where Nick Cage is just an absolute asshole, but as things happen to him, it sort of, like, chips away at him being an asshole. Um, One of the really interesting things about the way this movie's written, and something that, like, you never see in these kind of movies, is that Jack is genuinely a decent person in this movie. Like, he's friendly to everybody. He doesn't undercut people, or he's not a backstabber. He's encouraging. He knows the names of, like, His doorman, he knows the name of a guy that works security. He's bought him Christmas presents. He's encouraging the people that he works with. You know, he's not like a shark or anything. Right. So it's really weird because it's like, it's not the whole like Scrooge type thing where it's a man who's burnt up miserly and changes his life in the course of one night. It's just a guy that made one decision that altered the course of his life. And it's like, what happens if you don't make that one decision, if you make a different one? Mm-hmm. Um, because he still, you know, turned out to be a decent person, you know, a good human being. Um, again, like he risks his life to save these people in this convenience store when he really has no reason to do so, um, and that's what Don Cheadle's like a guardian angel, of sorts or whatever, a Ghost of Christmas something. Um, but you know, it's a, like it's 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 kind of maudlin at times, and it's you know, not like the not like an amazing movie or anything but it's 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 nice you know and it's good character work by both cage and leone like they both play really good roles um i forgot how popular she was at one point like i honestly forgot about her entirely except that i mean I like i knew who she was but like she's really good in this um you can see like why she was a pretty big star for a short period of time although i can't remember what caused her to be a star i don't know if you was she on some TV show or something? Or she was married to David Duchovny? Is that right? He
0: was married to Duchovny, but um, I remember she had like a small role in Frasier that led to her getting something else. What was the, the naked? The naked Truth was what it was called. It was uh, um, she played like a journalist or something um, on a sitcom for a few years. She was also on something else big around
1: that time. Bad Boys, I don't know. the Will Smith movie. Yeah, no, I don't remember that. <clears throat> um, anyway, I knew she was really popular the people liked her a lot. She wasn't on one of those like legal shows or something for a while? Uh, like Boston Legal or let me, something? Let me
0: let me look. She might have been. Um, no.
1: I don't know. I just that she was super popular for a minute like everyone knew she was. Yeah. Um, but she's really good in this and all those supporting characters do a good job. Um, it actually has a kid in it that is a really good kid performance. Um, The actress that plays their daughter does a really good job. And again, it's it's not like a fantastic movie. It's not something that you would ever rank in your top whatevers, but maybe it would be in the top. I don't know, because that's probably all going to be five versions of The Christmas Carol. But, um... it's just interesting. Like it's, it's, it's a cool idea. It's, it's really well played. Um, it takes its time with building him like falling in love with her and kind of just lets it happen instead of making it contrived really. Um, and he like, he has a couple of false steps where he wants to buy this really expensive suit because it reminds him of when he was rich. And then he takes her out for a really fancy dinner and, um, on their anniversary, and um, he actually, through happenstance, he <clears throat> meets up with his old boss from the firm, and obviously, he doesn't know him, and impresses the guy enough that the guy offers him a job as an executive, like out in New York. And then, um, even though he really wants it, he turns it down to keep his family together and stay with them. So he, you know, ultimately sacrifices like success again to stay in this like kind of mundane life. Um, He's a tire salesman in this movie because Leone's dad owns like a tire shop, and he had a heart attack. So I guess Cage had to like step down from his brokerage job to sort of step in and help take over the business, take some of the stress off of him. And there's a lot of really small things in it that just kind of build this idea of I don't know them having this real life together, and it it, it works pretty well.
0: Is Um, um, is that the role? It looks like her dad, Harvey Presnell, as he plays.
1: Yeah, uh, that's the dad. Yeah. Okay,
0: that seems like it would fit he feels like a guy who would own a tire store
1: yeah I mean for being one of the one of the final quick cages when you kind of think that all this stuff's just gonna boil down to shit movies <clears throat> um it was nice to see it and still enjoy it and, um I remembered why I liked it so much when I first saw it um even though I probably would have never admitted to it at the time right um and a good performance by him. Like it's, it's two thousand, so he's kind of like right on the cusp of that, like sort of fall from grace. I mean, he's got a couple of like, he's got a couple of solid performances left in him at this point, but he really has it the being a mockery of himself. Um, sure. So there's there's very little overacting or hamminess in this. There's a couple of parts early on after he gets swapped where he sort of like freaks out, but. It doesn't really happen much, and he, he plays it close to the vest, and like just a really good, genuine performance from all. Of them.
0: By the end, one week, I, uh, one of these weeks, I I want to try to figure that out again. It's like I want to figure out when all that exactly happens. You think, like, because I think there's, I think we just need to almost like break down like the the major points of his career, and but that uh, that's I think what I'm most interested in is when he gives up.
1: Yeah, there's there's an because, event, there's oops. an ebb and flow to it over the course of his career because there's definitely points where he's much more invested in being an actor, like with a capital A. You know, where it's investment in roles and yeah, like he's genuinely trying to find like the core of a character. And then there's points where he's just doing what I think he feels like people want to see him do, which is the like a spastic goof and it sort of like goes up and down depending on the the year and the role. So I don't know.
0: I I think I think it's gotta be Yeah, you're probably right. Like I think it's a slow thing though. I don't think it's like just like a sudden
1: shift. Like I, I I still think it's really tied to his attachment to the director and his investment in the role that he's being given. Like how much he believes in source material and believes that he's making a good movie. Yeah. Um, because I mean, this is Brett Ratner. This isn't like sure a guy that coaxes brilliant performances out of people, right? Generally, but competent director. You know, somebody that actually knows how to direct a movie and a good script. And I think you know a good co-star in Leonie And I think that I think that's probably enough for him. Where you know, yeah, yeah.
0: Doesn't sound like he gets to sleep with her in this, right? Does he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, does he?
1: Okay. But okay, so that's another good thing. So, all right, I'm <laughs> glad you brought that up because here's here's a comparison I'm going to make. So, in fucking perennial shitball awful movie Overboard, um, Kurt Russell basically rapes um, Goldie Hawn or Goldie Hawn, right, by like tricking her into thinking that they're married, and then fs her because he can because they're married. Yeah, Nick here that's, that, that is a gross oversimplification. Yes, yeah, very much mine. so. Because uh, yeah, go ahead. It's my description, so it's yep. what I'm all well Sure. Um. So there's a point in this movie where the kids have gone to bed. Hey, and he's like, Hey, it's ten o'clock and the kids are asleep, and he's like, Yeah, and she's like, Um, you know what that means? And so she tries to get all sexy time with him. Um, and he realizes like how beautiful he thinks she is, and it's sort of the first time where you realize that he's, he's realizing that he's in love with her Mm -hmm. and she goes to put on some sexy lingerie and he pretends to fall asleep because he doesn't want to take advantage of her because he realizes how much he actually cares about her. And what an indecent thing that would be to do when he feels like he's somebody else. So just, you know, as a point of comparison Mm -hmm. between weird romantic comedies,
0: a a point of comparison that, is unfair but yeah sure okay it's, I got it's fair enough um
1: why is, why is why is why is Kurt Russell having sex with you?
0: not Goldie Hawn,
1: Goldie Hawn it is is Gold- yeah
0: it's Goldie Hawn yeah. yeah that's 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 who's in that movie <laughs> um yes
1: oh, why yeah. do I think it was Melanie Griffith as soon as I said it I was like no that's not right
0: um <sighs> yeah it doesn't matter we've talked about that movie enough for you I think um you can go back and listen to the. The episode, the top five movies that Chris loves and Frank hates. Um, you want to want to hear that? Because um, we talk about that at length um, there. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like I I'm glad I'm glad that you liked it. I, I feel from your description that I would like
1: probably be bored the tears. But you know, it's it's moderately boring. I'm not going to lie. Like it's very much. It's the most median like inoffensive movie you could make. Right, right. There's no crass humor. There's no poop jokes. There's no slapstick. There's no inappropriate racial slurs or anything. It's just this really hot woman wants to have an affair with him and he doesn't do it because he loves, you know, because he's fallen in love with his wife. Like there's just all kinds of like small things where they could have done something terrible, and they just decided to play it straight, I guess. So eh, yeah. You know. All right. Well, that's cool.
0: What's the what, yeah. what? What do you get the movie, and what do you get at this performance?
1: I think his performance is a solid B. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, it's 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 very much just a so an eight. Yeah, it's it's a very nice performance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very. Friendly and it's kind of homely, you know, like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just, it's, it's, it's good It's fun. It and may, maybe a 7.5. Okay. And that's probably the movie. The movie's probably a mid-C, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, it's not anything like, you're not overly impressed by any camera work or there's no interesting direction or mise-en-scene or the performances are all just very good. The script is just good, you know, but it's it's heartwarming and it's I think it's a really good Christmas movie, honestly. It's um one that I forget about a lot, um, but I've been thinking about it and I thought we would actually make it to Christmas again so it could be a Christmas movie, but I fucked that up because we should have done this like nine months ago.
0: Right. Um what do you, you do. Oh, did I did I did I not know this? Ratner What's that? Ratner got caught up in Me Too. I don't remember that.
1: Did he?
0: Huh. Yeah, seven actors, including Olivia Munn, Natasha Henstridge, and uh, Elliot Page, accused Ratner of sexual assault and harassment. Um,
1: really?
0: Caused Warner Brothers to sever all ties with him. Hmm. Well, let me, let me, let's look at something here real quick. Oh, yeah, that dude hasn't made a feature-length movie since 2014. Interesting. Um, let's roll briefly because I know there's something else you want to talk about. So let's real briefly. Um, look through Ratner's filmography real quick, and you tell me if this is his best
1: movie or not. Then potentially
0: very different from his other movies, but still. I uh,
1: gotta look it up. <sighs> um
0: so in 97 just so everybody doesn't have to look it up themselves 97 he has money talks and then it's rush hour family man rush hour to red dragon after the sunset which i don't know what this movie is but it stars pierce brosnan um and uh woody harrelson something kind of comedy action crime thing then x-men last stand then rush hour three oh um and then Tower Heist, which is a Ben Stiller um, heist comedy. And then Hercules, which is, I did not know existed, but apparently is a, um, a rock
1: vehicle and playing Hercules. <laughs> mm, yeah, you couldn't remember that. Fuck, um,
0: earned twenty two hundred and forty four million on a $100 million budgets, and I guess
1: it worked out. <clears throat> it's probably this in Rush Hour. Yeah i probably one A and one B. Yeah, I'm yeah, a huge cause... fan of Money Talks. Um, right, Rush Hour Two is fine. I don't like Red His Red Dragon.
0: Yeah, we well, that was on a was that on a bad list?
1: Like a worse. He sequel? is Red Dragon, though. He's Hannibal. Maybe, maybe Hannibal is the worst of them. Um, I get
0: them all confused, honestly. Like, which one's which?
1: Um, Last stand is is okay. <clears throat> it's the last of those. Um... Is that Phoenix? Is that the Phoenix story? No, that's the one. Well, maybe.
0: Yeah, it's it's. It, I think it's Phoenix. That's
1: I don't the very, know, It's that's
0: the third one. It's terrible. We watched yeah. it in the movie theater and it was awful.
1: Hmm. Is that the one that ends with the Phoenix like under the water?
0: No, nah, that's Ish. the second. That's the second one teasing all the Jean Grey stuff for the third one. I think the second one ends with the Phoenix coming up out of the water or whatever. I really movie.
1: don't. I really don't remember that movie then at all. So I don't know. Yeah,
0: the la- last last we saw in the theater, um, and it was is really that
1: funny. I'm I'm Juggernaut, bitch. Is that <laughs> I, th- that I think I, th- I think yes,
0: yes, yep, yeah, yeah. That's the one where like fucking Wolverine, like you know gets all of his like fucking flesh melted away from Gene as he's like trying to walk to her to like save her and shit like that. God, I don't remember that movie. CGI at all. looked really bad. Um <clears throat> yeah rush hour in this. Yeah. And that's it yeah. pretty much. Rush hour still holds up. Rush hour mm-hmm. two is whatever, fine. Um you understand
1: uh, the words that are coming out of my mouth.
0: <laughs> and then Rush Hour Three is um one of the, I tried to watch it during COVID because I watched the other two. Um and uh they were all on hbo and i tried to start watching rush hour three and i realized i'd actually never watched rush hour three um i just seen the trailer and just assumed i watched it and holy shit I, wa- I got like 18 minutes into it and there's a scene where they end up chasing somebody into some sort of children's like karate dojo um they're all mm. asian students so it's like in chinatown or something i think and um fucking uh uh chris tucker ends up fighting the children like because they won't let him through to chase the suspect because they dishonored like the jojo or something like that and then chris tucker fights some of these like children and it's one of the most embarrassing comedy sequences i've ever seen and i shut it off i couldn't watch it anymore
1: I think you meant to say amazing, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> Chris Tucker fighting a room full of children.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, I'm sure they thought it was really funny like at the time. And
1: <clears throat> Yeah, it's that that's a movie I would have no interest ever in seeing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So there was um, a couple of deaths you wanted to talk about.
1: Oh, we're was getting right into that.
0: Sure. Why not? What do what, what, what you, you want to talk about Rush Hour some more? Want oh, to talk about Russia?
1: I really don't want to talk about Russia.
0: You want to talk about family anymore?
1: I was going to reflect a little bit on the cage coming to an end. A little. Oh, well, we like as we um two months. I know, okay. I know, right. okay, all. sure. It's, let's do that. Let's do that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like. I don't feel like watching the rest of these movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what you wanted to express. <laughs> that's that's what this is all about,
1: right? Like you would think it would be this like <laughs> like sort of. I don't know, like feeling of accomplishment, sweet. right? You know, like hey, we, we've gotten through all these movies and never thought that you know it would come this far. When we first started doing, oh, it. I've but already started like,
0: for the last episode. I, I've already started taking notes on the questions I have for you, Frank. Oh my
1: god, it's just like <laughs> I had to type the list out to send to you just to make sure that I was right with like where I was, mm-hmm. um, so I could remember what I had to watch. Um,
0: so, just so everybody knows, we have Frank has put himself in the position of so you got the cotton club right right racing with the moon right yeah yeah and then boy in blue that's your 80s movies um and then what deadfall amos yep. and andrew yep that's it in the nineties I think correct
1: both in the nineties yes
0: yeah right that's now the, and then two thousands you just have um
1: captain currently's mandolin
0: right And then Yeah, then the animated stuff, which kind of spans throughout all that time. And then Sorcerer's Apprentice is all you have left in 2010s. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I never want to do the animated one because it feels like such a cop out.
0: I don't so many of those roles though are such small roles, I don't think it is. You you, you you've watched every movie, even if he like played like, you know. Well, you didn't watch Never on Tuesday, which was an uncredited cameo as man in red sports car, but still, I, I, I give you that one. You don't need to watch that, but um, but you watch stuff where you had some pretty small roles, and you watch the entire movie,
1: right? Fast times of Ridgemont High, and Bumble I say Fish. voice,
0: yeah, and I say I say I think voice work, like you know, is is different than
1: fucking Snowden, where he's in it for like, oh,
0: right? But I think voice work is is I. I Voice work is now It's 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 a different thing, and
1: I only like mean just because we're we're cramming every single one of them into one. I mean, I'm just going to talk more about how I feel about him as a voice actor and some of his memorable voice sure. acting roles. So sure,
0: yeah. I think that, and I think that's good. Like, but I've
1: I've seen all those fucking movies,
0: right? Oh, you watch all of them now?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, I might have cheated on one, but I watched enough of it. <laughs>
0: As long as you can speak to his voice acting role. I though. heard
1: him. Mm-hmm. That's enough. Yeah. Mm. Oh, all right, it's... let's talk about some death. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I'm gonna yawn, I'm gonna... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <sighs> these motherfuckers, Go on. these these people die, Frank, and you're like just sitting there like yawning. Like, you know. so They're still
1: gonna be dead when I finish yawning. <laughs> they were dead before we started the podcast, and they'll be dead after. Um, but in all seriousness, two, um, two actors that I have a lot of respect for. And I think, um, responsible for some really like uh, iconic, maybe. Well, definitely iconic, but yeah, Yeah. uh, memorable, pivotal roles in the stuff they did. Um, uh, Jean-Paul Belmondo, um, French actor, uh, notable for being one of Godard's, um, recurring actors, um, Star, of one of my favorite films of all time, Breathless. Uh, he passed away the other day. And then I think later that same day, or maybe the next day, um, Michael Williams, uh, yeah. the actor who played Omar in The Wire, um, also passed away. Yeah. Um, so, Belmundo, if you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said that I probably assumed he was dead, um, considering that he was, you know, a, a full grown adult in the 1960s. So, thinking of him living you know, basically 60 years past that, pretty impressive, um, I think he was 88 when he passed away, so a ripe old age, um, Williams was particularly sad to, to read about, um, just because he was young, um, really powerful actor, especially in that role, like, maybe, maybe one of my, I don't know, I mean, who can give a number, one of my favorite roles ever, um, of an actor in a television series, um, definitely some of the most memorable scenes in one of the best television series of all time. Right. Um Just really, it's it's always just really sad when you kind of come to know someone for their work and um, form a connection with them through the characters they play on the screen and then to learn of their passings that always... Um, not the same as someone you know, and I think we've, I think we've talked about this on air before um, with certain actors, it just kind of hits you. A certain way when they passed away, or certain celebrities, and for me, these are two um, that I. That ain't high or anything, but it's kind of a heavy feeling in your in your heart to you know that you're never going to get to see them do anything, and especially Williams, who was. Um, really like, like 52, fifty-two, I think.
0: Fifty-four. Yeah, he's fifty-four. Uh,
1: yeah, that's um, that's a shame.
0: Yeah, and especially I I don't know how like. Not that it, any of it matters, like, but I don't know how familiar you are with like his like some of his biography and stuff like that, like. But I I know that the Wire, like being involved in the production of that, like in the world that the Wire existed in, triggered a lot of things in him. Um, <clears throat> and he, when like we were watching the Wire, he was going through some pretty bad times in terms of addiction. Um, um, I think it was particularly season three um, that he really kind of like has a downfall and. He had battled off and on with it before that, but like apparently like playing that character and being involved in that world really triggered some stuff for him and um, he um, uh, got over it and like, you know, but just back and forth, back and forth, you know, like addiction goes a lot of times and. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Um, captivating guy. Um, a lot of really good interviews out there with him. I think the Atlantic just had one today that they reran previously talking about being, um, you know, typecast, stereotyped, um, um, as a particularly a black actor. Um, and like a big thing in his career has always been that facial scar that he had, um, that he's talked a lot about like in the press. But captivating guy, there's been a video going around social media and, um, you know, Reddit and places like that, like of um, uh, him being in the Criterion like studios and going through their shelves and picking up movies and stuff, stuff like that. And, like, just a guy who, like, really loved, it seemed like you can just hear the joy in his voice as he's picking up certain movies and stuff and um, really loved movies, really loved television, like, you know, it was really cared a lot about like being an actor um a dancer accomplished dancer before that um yeah it's a shame man i i don't know it's like you said it's one of my favorite tv characters ever um i think like that scene one of the greatest scenes in the wire is is completely all based on omar which is that courtroom scene oh my
1: god yeah it's amazing
0: I, i uh, you know, and it, it gets posted like all the time out of like memorable scenes from the wire. But it, I mean, it's it's so damn good, um, so good, and uh, yeah, it's 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 just a shame.
1: So, Belmundo, um, we talked about him. Who, uh,
0: Yeah, we talked about Breathless. I, I'm less familiar months. with him, so I'll leave that to you.
1: But. Um, I mean, just a very so one of the few, um stalwarts of the uh french new wave that never made a movie in america uh, basically was like completely resistant to the idea of going to hollywood even though hollywood wanted him to come and make movies um if you ever want to see one of the best sort of tragic uncomfortable but genuine romances um Watching Belmondo in, uh, in Breathless is um is definitely, I don't know, I think one of my favorite male performances of the 1960s. Um, just his, I don't know how to say it, like, his self-assured but um, neurotic, like, coolness, where he's both possessive and aloof and... Just his interactions with with Gene Seberg where sometimes he's a complete like douchebag to her, and sometimes it's obvious that he loves her, and it's just a really complex performance in the course of ninety some minutes or whatever. Um, but just his effortless cool that he brings to like any movie that he's in, he was um, really just a you know great actor, one of the best um, best wearers of a fedora on in film history.
0: That's <laughs> uh, I mean, that's pretty that's pretty hefty. Um a like um, a lot of people wear I mean, it's, it's hard to really say well, just, you know.
1: It's the floppy hair and it's the way like like he's not classically handsome in the sense of you think like I don't know. Like any like you know like Brad Pitt or whatever. Like George George Clooney we just watched out of sight. Right. So there's a classically handsome man with his, sure. his bedroom eyes and his chiseled features and Five O'Clock Shadow. Right. Yeah, Five O'Clock Shadow. Belmundo has kind of like this face that's just sort of like falling in place, kind of like where the eyes just sort of slope into the nose and it kind of like runs down into the mouth and the mouth is never still. Like his lips are always moving or he's always touching his face. And it's like a very, like he would have been the perfect noir actor. 20 years before, you know, he would have been, I don't know, just like amazing as a gangster and in one of those, you know, like classic noirs. And it's just like captured perfectly at the time of the new wave. And especially by Godard, who I think like really appreciated this look. And again, him and Seabird together, like some of the most memorable, um, like romantic scenes, I think, Um, because they're not absolute, whatever like blissful romance like there's tension and there's animosity but there's genuine like passion between the two of them right yeah Pretty no, it, was, amazing it was a good
0: movie i mean i yeah um i get what you're saying um uh, yeah no it, it's like i said it's always a shame when like you know when people that like you know we connected to in some way or like you know um pass i mean and as we like i think about that other podcast that like we will eventually get right um at some point but um which uh we did like a kind of like a pilot sample episode to see how it went um oh right right and it and ultimately it it went on too long um but um I was thinking as like we were like as uh, being described like what the point of that podcast was I was thinking about like you know oh so it's like you know um it's like the the, the middle aged gen x or um nostalgia cast um, like you know like it's not really is the point but like as like we are getting in the middle age um it's only going to become more prevalent you know i mean and it's like even like at their age now like seeing you know some of these people die. Um, it's like, it's just going to get worse and worse, you know, in terms of like these people that like, you know, we have watched through the years and respected and, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just. Um,
1: so listen to the directors that, um, that Bill Monday worked with. And mm-hmm. the crazy thing is aside from Godard, he really didn't star in any like classics from these people. I mean, a lot of these movies are really good, but they're not ones you would like, Think of as their greatest film. So he worked with Claude Chiral, um, Godard, um, Vittorio De Sica, Jean Pierre Melville, um, Marcel Opals, Sergio Corbucci, uh, I know really he worked with what's Louis Mao, Francois Truffaut, Claude Laloche, Alan Reznase. I mean, like, all these guys in like, Different points in their career where it wasn't like the peak of their career. It's just, yeah, crazy that the man worked. Agnes Varda, he worked with Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of directors that have uh, appeared on the podcast. One, sure, one way or another, sure. Well, anyway, so disappointing news over the weekend, but yeah. On the plus side, you got to hear a decent uh, Nick Cage review. So
0: right. I don't think it's the last one, honestly, even though we have eight episodes left.
1: No, there's at least uh, two more. Yeah. So, there actually could be three more. Could be. Go There's one movie that I've never seen on this list mm-hmm. um, of the movies that's left, and it sounds amazing. And I'm kind of holding off on it for that reason because I kind of want to
0: end on a good note.
1: Well, no, because it's going to end with. Captain oh, right. Rose, yeah, yeah. Like, Which no matter what. Right. Where, yeah. Um, which it's fine, but right, you right. know um, right I wanna I wanna I wanna plunge to the lowest depths of watching something subcasted and then be like, you know what I'm gonna save it by watching this movie and, uh,
0: right uh, the the Corelli's joke um was like thirty episodes, and I've already forgot that we were gonna end on that.
1: <laughs> I think I'm almost positive it comes up like at least every other episode. In some manner right i mean right. how many episodes is this now like in the eighty. 82 some?
0: i think 81 or 82 right um, so yeah okay. and we've been talking about that for um at least like 60 or
1: 50 or 60 of them right oh my god can you like let's <laughs> let's reflect a little now oh uh, okay i don't know we can i guess we can
0: say yeah we got two months left um <laughs> I know I know believe me
1: um, I can't even imagine being alive in two weeks and you want me to like <laughs> talk about Captain Crelly's mandolin in November
0: hey look this it's it's coming it's coming it's coming soon uh, we'll, we'll we're gonna do the thing
1: yeah, it was right. only two years two years ago that I watched Captain Crelly's mandolin
0: right yeah you're gonna have to watch it again i have to watch that bitch again uh huh yeah
1: no, uh, I, know. I know it. I know it in my heart. I can do it right now. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get through this.
0: Everything's gonna be okay.
1: You know, what's disappointing. I am not reading good things about that new Candyman. Really, and I'm a little disappointed in myself for not going to see it. I haven't read any reviews. I is that review. only
0: that? Is that only in the theater?
1: Uh, I don't know. I want to see it in the theater, so I'm. I i have not been looking for it. Okay. I don't think it's streaming it just because I would imagine they'd at least give it a couple weeks. Hold um,
0: on. it's only showing one time at Regal right now. Been out for two weeks. Oh, has it? Oh, are you are you
1: looking at the times today or the times for tomorrow?
0: I guess it's probably the times today. It's whatever showed up. Oh, because they're only showing what's left for the day, right? Gotcha. Right. That you can still buy tickets for. Understood.
1: I got you. Yeah, it's probably got like a ten o'clock show or something. On the other side of that, I have heard amazing things about um Shang Chi, the Marvel movie. Yeah. One of the women that um works hey. in the corporate office that I have a call with every day. Mm-hmm. Um raved about it for like five minutes straight, like about mm-hmm. how it was amazing, one of her favorite Marvel movies ever. Yeah. Like the most excited she's been coming out of a theater in like years. So
0: might have been the little- might have been years since she's been in a theater, though. <laughs> oh,
1: touche. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Candyman's playing um seven times a today. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's got good. It's got good overall reviews. Um, on um, Rotten Tomatoes overall. Hey, it's not going to stop me from
1: seeing it. I mean, you know. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, uh, just original Candyman,
1: one of my th- favorite movies.
0: It's both decent the- scores on both of them. Um, but um, oh yeah. Audience reviews ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes for Shang Chi. Really, for Shang Chi. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like I was saying, I, I, I know four or five people that have seen that movie, and every one of them has said, "Yeah, amazing." Um. Well, I mean,
0: it um. has Tony Young in it. I mean, like, uh, I, I can't imagine, like, him playing Mandarin isn't, like, fucking amazing. I mean, like, I, I imagine it has to be, like, automatically, like, one. Of, uh, I'll be disappointed if it's not, like, one of, like, the top, like, you know, like, few, like, Marvel villains just through his casting. Because I, yeah. I, I think that guy's incredible, so...
1: Yeah, so I'm excited to watch it. I, actually might, I might see one of them this weekend. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, there's a, another one down. Um, God, fucking... Why? Fucking... I think Rotten Tomatoes taunts me sometimes. Like, by putting over on the side most popular, where they just pick random things. Like for you, and just like show them on the side, and um, when you look up a movie, and the innkeepers is on here, uh, that's seventy nine percent. Good movie. God, try to put that on a list someday. Just so you know, too. Just uh, my last comment for the night is: if we ever get to the point that we're end up doing like the top five Christmas carol adaptations. Um, I'm, I'm ending the podcast. Cause I can't, Wait, do, I can't do that. <laughs> like, like that's, that's, that's the end for me Um is if we do the top five Christmas carol adaptations, that's, that's, that's one of the, that's one of my lines in the sand where I will stop doing the podcast. If we get to that point,
1: I mean, I've already made you talk about two of them. Just one is on a, Forever unairable. Episode. yes, right, yeah, it is. Um, and
0: I think that's enough. Like, um, I, right,
1: I, I, I agree. What else is there to say? We might talk about Scrooge again someday, yeah, yeah, and that's
0: you, it. You like, yeah, you, you, look, you, you like I, a lot of those adaptations, though. Like. Here's the thing
1: I like them, mm-hmm. but I also understand, like, not everybody feels the same way, so you know, right. Like, I would never make you watch the Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol, even though it's amazing. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I I, I
0: like Mr. Magoo, though, so, I mean. It has
1: a banging soundtrack. Like, it's got one of the best. (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, it's got one of the best um, soundtracks. It's a musical. Hmm.
0: Hmm. And it's really good. Soundtrack, okay, rather than, like. Best animated score from something like that to me is the uh, uh, the Sleepy Hollow, like um, mm. Disney Sleepy Hollow. I love, I love that. You know, what my number one is what's that? Oh, yeah, Little, like, Little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I don't know Is the Mr. Magoo thing a feature film? Yeah,
1: like is it yeah, like ninety minutes or is oh it's I, it's I think it's like eighty minutes. Oh, okay, all right. I just, it, assume, it, I just
0: assumed it was one of those things that was like 47 minutes or something that got released on...
1: It is far better than it has any right to be, or that you would ever believe it was, mm-hmm. just from hearing that title. That's all yeah. I'll say.
0: Gotcha. I,
1: I watched it this past year, Christmas time. Mm-hmm. still so fucking loved it. Like, yeah. even, like, unironically loved it. Okay. All
0: right. Well, at the end of the episode now, I guess to end off, I, we, I haven't done this in a while. I'll go ahead and plug like the primary podcast because mm-hmm. um, I always forget to do that at some point. Because um, I really enjoyed the Elmore Leonard episode from this past week.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun to do. Yeah.
0: Um, so uh, we did that this past week. That's up uh, to download. And then... Um, this week we're going to be doing the next top five crime films of the 1970s, uh, which is not a really good list, um, of movies. And then we're ending the month with the top five horror movies in 1998. And then next month, uh, this is our third year of doing this where we do all horror. Um, sometimes this may, I think of some of our listeners, but, um, we um, are covering the top five horror anthologies of all time in October, the top five were-creature movies um, of all time, and then we are ending up our 90s list with the top five movies, uh, horror movies in 1999, um, where uh, I think we'll be joined by uh, a, a guest or two to discuss um, more of those movies in particular um, for that year so um i'm really looking forward to everything and then november um december uh we have a first ever in terms of our uh top five motorsports movies uh where they they list not determined by frank um uh, is the first time ever somebody else has <laughs> developed the top five um ever and that is our uh, friend of the podcast jason easter who's been on previously a number of times and then um We will be doing a fresh five. Uh, We're trying to do two of those a year. And those are episodes uh, where we cover Frank's top five movies, regardless of year per uh, release or genre. Um, It's just the top five movies that Frank has watched basically in the past six months. Um, And then um, we start our 71, 81, 91, 2001 um, episodes where we cover the best movies of those years, um, which we've been doing the last couple of years. so um, and those are always some of my favorite lists of the year um, is because like we actually get to watch like really just stellar fucking movies. um, it's almost yeah. over- it's almost overwhelming, like that entire month just because it's like um, it's just so many good movies. Um,
1: so we're doing. It's 60, 70, 80, 90. No, se- no 70,
0: 70,
1: 80, 90. 70, 80, 90, 2001. Right. Okay, right. Yeah, I, right. I gotta start
0: looking at that. Yeah. Um, at the yeah. 80, 81, I bet
1: it's fucking, like packed.
0: I bet you all I, look every when you really boil it down to like the top five of the year, they're always packed. Always like it's like I said, it's almost overwhelming. Um, because like you want to do justice to all those things and it's like at at some point you can't (laughs) like because you only have so much brain power to really like invest in um in really like considering those completely um so they're really difficult for me um but uh, really enjoyable so all right Mm -hmm. well there's my plug um all right thank you for listening everybody have a good night deuces